What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Tuesday, April 26th, it's the call-up, and Jack, I got a question for you. For $10 via Venmo, could you tell me who leads the minor leagues in home runs? The minor league leader in home runs. Um, For 10 Venmo dollars? 10 Venmo, and and rumor has it those can be transferred and converted into real dollars. So that's what I've heard about Venmo. It's this hip new app. yeah. So could I just add it to my, uh, my invoice that I'll send you for appearing on this podcast? Oh um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ooh, I don't know. Um, can you give me a hint on the level? Double a won't help you. And this Double is a, a prospect because Matt Davidson and trace Thompson are tied for second, which is hilarious. Um, yeah. yes, that is clay Thompson's brother. Yeah. Uh, Number one is Moises Gomez, double A for the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, I'd keep your 10 bucks. Yep. Well, I, I, I am keeping it. You, you didn't even <laughs> give me a guess. Moises Gomez was a, was, was a Rays farmhand last year. Uh, did not hit well. Actually, in fact, he had eight home runs in double A in 76 games last year. He surpassed his home run total from last season. Nine homers in 12 freaking games, Jack. What's all? What's Moises Gomez on? Maybe we need to shake up this whole top 100 list because that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going, what is it, 70 to 61? 70 to 61. We're going 10 at a time now because we we planned on doing 20 yesterday, and then we realized that 20 is going to be a two-hour podcast because we Correct. like diving deep on all these guys. So we Correct. decided to go 10 at a time with more episodes. 
Exactly. And that was the one thing, you know, I don't want to rush through them. So we're going in depth on each of these prospects. And of course, we're going to spend about 30 minutes on Moises Gomez uh, off the mm-hmm. jump. Uh, but no, actually insane what he's doing over there. Uh, so I guess a name to follow. Is he cracking our top 100 update? I guess if he's averaging a home run every every 0.75 games, essentially, uh, then I think we get, we got to do it. Yeah. Why don't we talk in a month? If, if he does this over a month, then we'll have this conversation. I think I'm good with without two weeks. Without Moises Gomez, not yet. <laughs> not buying it yet. Uh, not well, yet. But, you know, someone we are buying on and someone that you might see relatively soon yeah. is Leover Paguero, who's number 70 on our list. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates shortstop. And it's funny because Paguero is one of those guys that you, you see on the top prospect list You see, and you just know, oh, that guy's a top 100 prospect. But frankly, he doesn't get talked about that much. I mean, is that's anecdotal? I have no way to quantify that. Do you agree with that? I feel like Leover Paguero is just not this widely discussed name for a guy that's been on the top 100 list for a little bit of time now. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you because uh, Peggy. I just learned recently that his nickname is Peggy, and which is sick. That is a great nickname. I'm all the way in on a guy with the nickname Peggy. Um, I, I recently learned that his nickname was Peggy, but um, I, I think the reason that he's not talked about is a little bit higher on this top 100 list. You're going to find two Pirates middle infielders. Yeah. So you're going to find Nick Gonzalez and O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz is the one that's being talked about constantly because he's a six, seven shortstop that puts up exit velos at, you know, 120 miles an hour. He just hitting 112 mile an hour walk-off bomb on Sunday in Indy. Uh, and then you've got Nick Gonzalez, his teammate with Double A Altoona right now, who is hit tool aplenty. Yes. Leover Piguero is the guy with the least sex appeal with the tools and also, you know, the lowest ceiling. But he might have the highest floor out of the three of them. Piguero is a guy that just kind of sneaks out of the radar, but is constantly being a very solid shortstop second baseman. And again, you're right. It's very weird to say that a top 100 prospect is sneaking under the radar. Yeah, it, there's something about it. I, and I don't know what it is. And I, I think my best guess is really what you just hit on, right? The floor. The floor is solid uh, for Pagaro because you have somebody that already is a plus hit tool guy or very close to it. Zone contact is, is high end. Uh, athleticism is there. The defense is there. Uh, and there's enough power already. I mean, the guy hit 14 home runs last year in 90 games. You figure if he can give you 15 to 20 homers uh, and you know the hit tool is going to translate, you know there's at least, I'd say, fringe plus speed, but he's savvy on the base paths, can can give you stolen bases as well. I believe he has four through 12 games. This year had 28 last year, which, again, yeah. I always have to re- we always have to reemphasize. We take last year's numbers with a grain of salt at the high A level, but four stolen bases in 12 games in double A tells me, you know, it's early, but that's going to be a part of his game. He's a well-rounded shortstop, good glove, good tools across the board. And if the power ticks up to 20 plus, now he's a guy that's, you know, a really, really solid above average regular at shortstop. But I think you can feel very confident that worst case scenario, you've got a very good utility player here. But I I think he's going to be a regular at the position. Uh, And just because there's nothing you love or dream on, it's pretty much the only reason why we don't see morally over Piguero, I guess. You know, I I really like the concept of him being the super utility guy for the Pittsburgh Pirates, for him being the get O'Neill off of his feet at short and let O'Neill DH for a day or put yeah. O'Neill in left for a day. I've seen O'Neill Cruz in left a couple of times, and he looks like he can feel this position out there. 
Um, it's get Nick Gonzalez off of his feet for a day and Piguero's playing there. If Piguero can expand to maybe playing center field, he's got the speed to do so, and he's got what seems to be the defensive instincts to do so, maybe he can get Brian Reynolds off of his feet every now and again. I think the Pirates have a lot of very strong middle infield prospects, and if Piguero is the guy that can be adaptable, I'm all the way in on that because, again, this is a high-floor guy, and I think best-case scenario, he is a Chris Taylor, Gavin Lux type, you know, yeah, uh, contributor for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Is there a scenario, though, where, you know, this is a guy that, again, you're pretty confident will be a good defender at shortstop and, and could be even better than that uh, with the athleticism. And, and remember, he's only 21. He, he's young and the hit tools allowed him to climb relatively quickly. Would I mean, you've seen O'Neill a little bit more, a lot more than I have, obviously. Yeah. Is there a scenario where, where Piguero is just that's your everyday shortstop and, and O'Neill plays somewhere else? So respectfully, no. Um, <laughs> O'Neill is smooth as hell at short, and he's got the strongest arm that I've ever seen. So, you know, if you have somebody that's smooth like that and can get the ball to the first baseman in the blink of an eye, you keep him at short until he proves that he can't play short at the major league level. And I've seen him be a little error prone. I've seen him be gun shy with the arm. You know, he's he short arm some throws. But if you can iron that out, Priority one is ironing out the shortstop position with O'Neill Cruz. If that doesn't work, then Piguero can be your everyday shortstop. I don't think that the Pirates would be willing to do that and move off of the idea of having O'Neill Cruz as their shortstop because big shortstops tend to function well. One of them just won a platinum glove last year and signed a LeBron deal with the Minnesota Twins. So um, if if O'Neill is you know a, a solid shortstop, I think that is option A. Option B, you have a really good backup plan with Leover Piguero. I've got a question about the swing, though, before we move on. Um, do you think it's conducive to adding more power? At the moment, not really. Um, like, I, I think he knows who he is, right? Like, he's a guy that's just trying to barrel things and find the gaps. I think he can add more power. There, there's, a, there's a projectable frame there. I, I like the swing, but there, there's not a lot of violence there. It doesn't look like he's trying to do that much it's it's put the bat on the ball and, and off to the races and uh you know i think he's he's picking his counts a little bit better to the pull side i see a little bit more power potential uh but you know this isn't a guy that's going to be going right center opposite field driving the ball out of the yard he's not really actively trying to lift but i i see him picking his spots which i love you know if you're a hitter like that with the hit tool again calling back to michael stefanik he talked about this a lot picking your spots to try to hit the home runs. He has that in there. Uh, and I'm interested to see how that continues to kind of develop for him. So my thought, and you probably have the numbers to quantify this, um, you know, or just a ballpark estimate of him. watching him and watching the way he loads and how late he gets that foot down, that lead foot down. Like part of me thinks that he's going to get blown up by high velo up in the zone. Was that his problem last year? I know he had a 25% K rate last year. Yeah. So, you know, it was a little bit of, of the tunneling effect that got him right. Because there were times where he got rushed, you got the fastball up and then the break. He looked rushed down. a lot. He looked rushed often. And, and here's the thing in the minors, I mean, in majors too, but in the minors, especially like you are going to get high spin, high speed fastballs in the high part of the zone. <laughs> like it, you're going to get a ton of those. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting to follow and see how Paguero continues to, to do there. What I will say though, is he put the bat on the ball with, with heaters. I mean, he, he didn't really swing and miss that much on those pitches. It was really the breaking balls 
that got to him. But again, that can be something where you're cheating for the fastball because you're getting rushed, you're getting blown up. And now you're susceptible to being on your front foot on the breaking ball. So he's got to sort that out. He's got, he got caught in between a little bit and that's a good catch. And I'm interested to see how, how that continues to develop for him this year. Uh, and it should be fun to follow a, a guy that has the present power already. Yes. Uh, and, and I, again, another under the radar guy is Shay Langliers comes in at 69. Uh, Shay is, I, I don't know why he does not get more love, uh, but he was to me the most valuable piece uh, traded in that deal over to Oakland. I know people are like, over Pache. Hey, Pache has been good. And you know what? He's been phenomenal with the fans and great on Twitter. And, you know, he's been owning uh, what is a shitty situation for, for really lack of a better word, right? You go from the world right. series champs to uh, the opposite. Uh, yep. But I mean, Langlier's is, is a phenomenal, phenomenal catcher. He's got a plus plus arm. Uh, he, everybody, Everybody always raves about the way that he handles uh, pitchers and manages the staff. People love to pitch to him and he's a good receiver, good blocker. And also he's got plus raw power, like borderline plus plus raw power. And it's not like the hit tool is some absolute shot in the dark, Joey Bart type. I mean, he's got more bat to ball skills. And I think people would, would think Shea Langliers to me is, is a high probability everyday catcher with, with a chance to be a really good one. Yeah, it, it's easy power. It's very easy. The swing looks effortless at times, and he can go pull side with a ton of pop, and he can bring you power to all fields as well. He can go dead center and pump a couple out. He can go the other way and get those balls to fly over the wall, although not with the new baseball. I think we're finding that out very quickly. Um, but Langoliers, he's got easy pull side power. What I love about Shea is the guy won a college gold glove at Baylor behind the plate. I mean, he is on the money all the time with his throws down to second base. He's going to control base runners at the major league level very well, very, very well. And that is your best friend. And you mentioned that, you know, pitching staffs like throwing to him. That's probably because if they have a guy at first base, he's not getting to second base. Um, and I love Shea's arm. I love his demeanor behind the plate. And I think with the easy power there, I don't need him to hit 260. I can have him hit 230. But if he's 230 with 25 bombs and Zanino-like defense, sign me up for it. What percentage of base runners do you think he threw out last year? Last year? You know, like um, averages roughly, right? Like high 20, high 20s, I think it is. Like yeah, I think average is like 27. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 38. 42% of base stealers. Damn, dude. And mind you, that's with that's in, in, I guess it's double A. So it's not, not really too much of an adjustment, bigger bases, I guess. So, I mean, but still, regardless, those make all the difference in the world, Arm. Come on. It, it helps a little bit, but regardless, I mean, that is, that is insane. Insane. And yeah. we're talking about a guy that you, you're just not running on. You, you're not running on him. And, and also now on the offensive side, I really like what we've seen. I know he's playing in a, in a, you talk about the ball being dead. It's going to fly a little bit more in triple a when you're you know, on the West coast there, but five home runs in 15 games, he's only punched out 19% of the time. So far you'll get last year with the Braves in double a 22 pumps in 92 games strikeout rate at 26%. That's fine. 10% walk rate. That's great. If he's there, which I think that I think his season last year is what we could expect at the big league level, uh, elite or really good defense, 20 to 25 home runs, some strikeouts, enough walks to offset it, and a really good everyday catcher. I, I don't know why Shea Langliers is not 
really more highly regarded because at the worst case, the glove is so good that you have a good backup catcher who has raw power. Yeah, I think that started happening on draft night, to be totally honest with you, because he was the second best catcher in that draft class, but by a very, very wide margin because Adley was 1-1 and it was clear cut 1-1. So I think Shea has always been the Robin to Adley Rutschman's Batman. Yep. And I think Adley Rutschman is going to be a lot better of a major league baseball player. I I don't think Shea Langoliers is going to be a slouch. Um, I think that if I was Alex Anthopoulos and I was making that Olsen deal, Pache was the first name I'm including because I don't think Atlanta needed Pache. Langoliers was probably the last add to that deal because I think that he's got the chance within two years to already be better than Travis Darno or William Contreras. Is that the backup there yeah. right now? Yeah. No, yeah I, I, I was, I was floored. Better catching I, option. I was floored that they, that they traded Shea. And I think that was just the only way. I mean, if they tell you what the, the only way you're getting Matt Olson is if you trade a Shea, Fine. Okay. Fine. Give me Matt Olson. But you know, I thought they'd try to find a way to do it otherwise, but you know what? We're going to get to like Michael Harris and some other guys. And I think the Braves looked at it. They're like, we have Darno now. We'll we'll, we'll take care of the catching position. We'll be okay. Uh, For the A's, it's interesting. And it makes me think that Sean Murphy might be expendable because I think Shea could be big league ready by the middle of the season. The the glove is ready. The bat, if he struggles, it's okay. Cause he's going to give you defensive value. Uh, and he's going to run into his homers. So one last thing on him, 113, 114, 114 plus mile per hour exit velos on a lot of his home runs. I mean, that's top of the scale. Uh, yeah. You, you've got a really, really good piece here in Shea Langliers. And, and I, I'm a big fan of his and very excited to see how he continues to develop. And I'm sure he'll make his big league debut this season, but depends on Sean Murphy. Right. I'm curious where he fits in with the whole Murphy thing, because there's a chance that Shea could come up and do some DHing if the team just sucks. I was going to say the team's so bad that Shea's going to be a valuable bat, period. He could also play first base. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know they want to develop him as, as, a, as a catcher, but they've kept him in the lineup so far in AAA. He's already DH twice. Uh, so I think there's a scenario where, where he's up there. They're alternating. You know, I, th- I think they want to keep Murphy fresh. Do you want to run him into the ground in a meaningless season? And and kind of when he's a trade piece, <laughs> yeah, or, or he's a trade piece, which I, jeez, uh, uh, you're going to trade a 27 year old catcher? It's pretty insane. I, I think that's a great return of the deadline. I think I could see Shea being down in Vegas until the deadline, and they move off from Murphy um, for pitching prospects or something like that, and they bring Shea up at that point. And and you're not going to. You know, I think you're hoping Shea can develop into something similar to Sean Murphy, honestly. Um, and and I don't think it's totally outside of the realm of possibility to have something similar to what to what you're hoping Murphy continues to develop into. Uh, coming in at 68, as I know now a guy you're excited to talk about. Yes. Um, somebody that, you know, for me, I like him. I like him. I know for a fact you like him more than I do. Uh, but Emerson Hancock, right-handed pitching prospect in the Seattle Mariners organization, former early first round pick in was 29, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. And I mean, the guys put up solid numbers thus far. He's been more than steady, uh, but he has not shown us that lights out stuff that we were hoping uh, to kind of see develop here, right? Like this is somebody that we're talking about potentially a one, one guy, potentially some of the most electric stuff in the draft, hasn't quite translated at the professional level, but what I am impressed by is his ability to get outs regardless. 
Yeah, so I'm looking at SEC pitchers that were rumored 1-1 in recent years. Casey Mize, rumored 1-1, his stuff ticks up, he's clear-cut 1-1. Brady Singer, rumored 1-1, his stuff ticks down, he can't throw strikes in the early goings at Florida, he goes middle of the first round. Emerson Hancock fell in between the two at Georgia, and he didn't have a full year to showcase his stuff, um, but the early goings of that junior season at Georgia – he was somewhere in the middle of the Brady Singer outcome and the Casey Mize outcome. I think everybody knew in the Mariners front office that Hancock, there was a, there was a strong likelihood that he was not going to have the stuff of Kirby or Brash or even Williamson when you had him. Um, but Hancock was going to be one of the pitchability high floor guys. And what people loved about Emerson Hancock was the pitchability. This guy had three borderline four pitches at Georgia. As a college arm, four pitches that you can turn to. He was turning to, uh, I just watched Al Leiter's breakdown on him after he got drafted just a couple of minutes ago. And um, Al did a great job, you know, looking through the sequences of Hancock. There were 1 0 counts where he was dropping changeups. He throws 98. Yeah. His junior year at Georgia, he was throwing 98 and he was dropping 1 0 changeups because he could. I think that serves him really well. I think yeah. the fastball slider combo is great. I think the changeup is good. And I think he can expand on the curveball. And I think that's how you have it graded out as. Um, the command needs to tick up. I know that you think the command can tick up. It needs to tick up and it needs to tick up right now. But I like the pitchability and I like the ease of mid-90s with complimentary stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's 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 a pretty low effort delivery. So it's pretty surprising to see him struggle with, with health. Uh, he missed large chunks of last season with a shoulder injury, only pitched 44 in two thirds innings. I believe the two, six, two ERA. He was phenomenal. Struck out 24% of batters uh, walked around 9.5, which needs to get a little bit better. Uh, but he's not pitching right now either uh, because of a lat injury. So yeah. it, it is a little bit concerning to see some of that, some of that issues and, and, and some of those issues. And also, the other side of it is a reason why he didn't quite hold on to that top three possibility was what you talked about. The command just wasn't quite there. He's showing feel for all of his pitches, but the command wasn't quite there. He's walking guys against Richmond and, and you know, yeah. falling into hitters counts and Richmond guys are cheating for the fastball and hitting it. Like there, there was scenarios where I think there was some vulnerability there, but Hancock when healthy was good last year, showed that he can get out, showed the pitch ability, showed the deep arsenal. Uh, but health and command are going to be the two things to watch moving forward. Yeah. And I'm not asking you to mechanically predict like Bryce or uh, Mark Pryor, Steven Strasburg. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, those guys, you could see it mechanically that they were going to have arduous careers. It, it was going to be pretty brutal with the mechanics. I'm not saying Hancock is like that, but you see it in the delivery. He's quick to tuck and he doesn't use any momentum there. He tucks early and a lot of what he's doing is that throwing arm. So oh, yeah. I could see how a shoulder could bother him. I could see how a lat could end up bothering him. Just because the more he uses with that delivery, he's not using as much body as other guys. Even in that system, ask George Kirby how he uses his body to sit 100 and stay durable. Brash, how you snap off that breaking shit. It's because his body is so athletic. Hancock, he's an athletic guy. He's got a big pitcher build but he doesn't use the most athleticism in that system. I think that's totally fair. And then that's something to follow. And I wonder, I mean, he's in a great system, you know, and in an organization that will kind of pinpoint those things. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back 
uh, from this lat injury and, and how he looks. And maybe if there's a tweak to his mechanics or a tweak to the way that he is, you know, just firing that baseball off. Cause there is a lot on the arm, uh, even though he, he does have pretty smooth mechanics. Otherwise uh, it's not just me, right? You're seeing that too. Like very yeah. quick to tuck and a ton on that. Yeah, throw. It's arm. a lot. La- the arm lags, which is part of the reason why he gets that arm side run, I think. But at the right. same time, like that, that is a lot, but the, it's funny. Cause it doesn't look that strenuous, but just knowing that you like, just knowing if you've thrown a baseball, you know that it's strenuous right. uh, when, when the arm lags that much. And uh, it'll be interesting to see again, how, how, how he comes back. I bet you there's a slight tweak with his mechanics. I I'd be willing to bet, uh, especially now that he's had those persistent injuries uh, for the last you know year plus yeah. checking in at 67 is one of my favorite prospects in all of, all of professional baseball. Um, and, and we talked about him recently because of how dirty fan graphs did him. Curtis Mead, Third base prospect, first base, whatever position he's going to play, he's not going to be great at any of them, unfortunately. Uh, But you know what he is going to be great at? Hitting. And Curtis Mead does nothing but hit. He raked in 2021. He played between low A and high A and then all cameo and triple A because I think they just wanted to keep getting him at bats and the triple A season was still going. I mean, the Rays found a diamond in the rough here. 321, 381, 532 slash line, 15 home runs, 56 extra base hits a 143 WRC plus 15% K rate, 8% walk rate. That's like a picturesque season, Jack. Yes, it was beautiful. So um, when I watched his swing for the first time, I remember like I had this reaction where you just chuckled when you brought his name up. When I got, when I got the side view for the very first time and, and he just burst out of nowhere and loaded and fired, I literally let out an audible. Like I was, I was like, Oh my God, what's going on with this guy? He has everything in the swing that I love about Cody Bellinger and everything that I don't like about Cody Bellinger's swing. Mead does not have. Yeah. Like it is, it's simple, it's upright. And then he goes down and explodes with a long swing. That's what I like about Bellinger. There are a lot of extraneous movements that I don't like that Cody does. And I think it throws him off. And I think that's why he kept on getting burned by high cheese. Um, Mead's not going to do that because he scrapped all that. It is Bellinger's swing in the simplest form. And I think it's beautiful. And I think it's conducive to tons of power and tons of bat to ball. I mean, the bat to ball is evident. The guy doesn't strike out. He's got a good approach. He, he has a great ability to recognize pitches. He's a little aggressive though, still. And, and again, that's the high end hit tool guys. They feel like they can hit everything, but he he's, he's able to do it. Right. So he, he swings a, a little bit more, uh, a little bit higher percentage of pitches outside the zone than you'd want to see, but it doesn't really matter. He uses the whole field. And I think what what people were most surprised by last year was the power. There was power there. This guy hit a decent amount of home runs. Uh, and, and we saw that across the fall league. And then, you know, almost every stop, he just, just hit for power. Uh, and that was what was really impressive. He's a big dude. He's 6'2", about 190 pounds, but has a pretty projectable frame. And getting into the swing, like you mentioned, he starts upright, but really sinks into the back hip well. It's, it's simple moves, all just very repeatable. He times everything up really well. And again, he has this barrel malleability, this swing malleability that's really impressive where no matter where the pitch is, he can somehow get his hands there and barrel it up. And that's the, one of the things that you can't teach. That's one of the things that stuck out to me more than anybody with Nick Gonzalez in the Cape. And I see yeah. it with Mead. He can just, he's a feel for that barrel and he can find it. And it, it's really impressive. 
And he gets good natural tilt with that, you know, swing. It, it almost looks like he's in the cage on a Saturday morning and he's just operating at 75%. That's what the swing looks like, right? It's like, oh, this is a warm up session for me. Like, I'm going to stand upright, just kind of chill out and then just get to the ball. Like, it's, it's all smooth. It looks like he's not exerting this crazy energy. And you look at Yelich, right? That's a very high effort swing. That's not Curtis Mead whatsoever. It's a very smooth swing. Trout's got a very smooth swing. It doesn't look like it it hurts him whatsoever. It's not strenuous. And I love that about Curtis Mead. And, and the last thing I'll say on him is it's not strenuous, but there's legit pop there. I mean, the guy put up 107, 108, 109, 110 mile per hour home runs last year, which is more than enough power. Um, and, and again, you look at the upright stance. I love the the rhythmic load. Like when a guy struggles with with swing and miss, I get worried about a rhythmic load. When a guy is just bat to ball, rarely swing and miss, high contact rate, and they have this rhythmic load, it just tells me this guy knows his body. This guy knows his swing, and he's got it down to a science. Curtis Mead has it down to a science. It hasn't been the best start to his season compared to last year, but he's starting to heat up right now in double a for the Rays, And uh, I don't think it'll be too long till we see him at the big league level. The question is just, well, where is that? Where does he play? Because he has played all over the diamond. I think the Rays are trying to find a home for him. Uh, it might be first base, which does hurt his outlook a little bit. He played a ton of third base last year. Uh, and that, that, you know, is the hope is that he can play there. And it's funny because I've drawn some comparisons to Evan Longoria with his swing at times yeah. uh, with that upright start and the way he gets through the ball. But I'd say yeah. he goes a little bit more the other way and uses the field a bit differently. And obviously Longoria had this ridiculous ability to lift to his pull side. Uh, but I see some similarities there. Hopefully he can stick at third. If he does, he's not going to be great there, uh, but he can, he's going to be one of those guys that can play you every position passably probably play some second can play first. I want to see him audition in that in quarter outfield, but he, he must just be a disaster out there in practice. I don't know. I'd assume so. Um, I would say if Yandy Diaz got hurt closer to the deadline, I think it would be Meade going up and not Bruhan. I hope so because he he gives you exactly I think what you can hope for from Yandy Diaz. I think that's a very similar comp, but with a little bit more hit tool. Yeah, would be pretty cool. I and the Rays again. I mean, like they have just just a wealth, an absolute wealth. Um, coming in at 66, I almost wish that we put this list out earlier because we had Stephen Kwan at 66 before the season, and it would have been really fun to talk about Stephen Kwan, um, before, you know, the season started now, now a lot of people kind of know what the deal is with Stephen Kwan, uh, Cleveland guardians outfielder. If you don't know, uh, five, nine, probably generous listing, 175 pounds, good runner, good defense elite bat to ball elite like elite for the big league level bat to ball i put a 70 on a sit so i probably should have put lit the world on fire yeah lit the world on fire out of the gate has slowed down a little bit but was phenomenal last season and and it's funny because i was looking at like the the tldr uh that we do you know below the, the scouting grades and i i said this similar to his former teammate nick madrigal rare bat to ball skills give Quan a high floor I, I mean, that's that's really the best way to put it, but he's more dynamic than Nick Magical. Yes, he is a lot more dynamic than Nick Magical. I thought that Oregon State lineup was hilarious because you had, you know, Rutschman is the four hitter, Larnick is the three, Magical is the two, and Quan is the leadoff guy. And you would see Quan 
and you would see him not swing and miss and put the ball on the ground or just slap it into, into the shallow outfield. And then you've got magical come up. And the whole thing is this guy doesn't swing and miss like he swung and missed three times. It's, it's like that type of thing. You had two guys that functioned the same way. One was a lefty. One was a righty. Um, and one is a bit more dynamic of a baseball player than the other. And the guy that went fourth overall to the White Sox is the less dynamic one. Um, Juan, I, I think people had their doubts. Madrigal, like it was so overwhelming, the bat to ball, that it was like, oh, this guy is can't miss. He's he's going to be a star. Um, with Quan, it was, yeah, but like, what is he? He's, he's 5'9", 170. And again, like you mentioned, that's, you know, soaking wet and you just got up in the morning. So you have like those extra three centimeters on your height. Um, with Quan, though, like I think why people loved him so much is because he's a throwback. He's a very high leg kick. He is the knee to the chest. And then he gets down and slaps the ball wherever it's pitched. I was just watching an interview that the Guardians TV guy, uh, Matt Underwood, did with Quan on Bally Sports Ohio, um, or maybe Bally Sports Great Lakes. It's one of the Bally Sports, I'll tell you that. Um, and he, he said, why are you so comfortable with the player that you are? And he said, when I tried comparing myself to other players, I like never won the comparison. I could never compare successfully because I was smaller. I had less power. I probably had less speed. It was that type of thing. So he said, I just have to like do what I know how to do really, really well. And that's hit tool. And that's bat to ball. That is when the bat comes off your shoulder, it's making contact with the ball. Which is the object of the game. Um, and even though you can't dream on a massively high ceiling, the the, the floor is so solid. And it, it might be one of the higher floors that you're going to find really in the minor leagues because I mean, we're seeing it right now. Quan has zero home runs at the big league level through 14 games, but he's walked more than he struck out. He's hitting 341. He's getting on base at a 456 club. That's the thing too. He walks. He walks, he walks a lot because he's going to spoil tough pitches and spoil and spoil and spoil and spoil and wear you down in a game that guys struggle to throw consecutive strikes. Anyways, when you execute your pitches, you can execute your best pitch and he's going to spoil it. And what's more frustrating to a pitcher than when you execute your best pitch, you locate it and everything, and he fouls it off. How do you get that guy out? You don't. How about this? You mentioned that he's walking more than he's striking out. In his major league career to this point, he's played 14 games, nine walks, six punch outs. Uh, In his minor league career, 217 career minor league games, 100 walks, 87 punch outs. In three college seasons, 82 walks, 38 punch outs. In his summer collegiate ball, 16 walks, 12 punch outs. So in 419 career games since graduating high school, Stephen Kwan has walked 207 times. He struck out 143 times. This is not fluky. He will do this for the entirety of his career. Yeah, and, and you can bank on him being a big leaguer for a long time. Also gives you great defense at all three spots, great instincts, and he's just a well-rounded player that I think Guardian fans are going to gonna fall in love with. So impossible to, to not have him on the top 100 list, even though he's a high floor guy. Uh, and the next guy's pretty high floor for me as well. And someone you're, you're either just saw or you're about to see some more of, or no, just he's at the big league level now. You just saw him. Just Gabriel saw Arias. Him. Bit. Yeah. Shortstop Cleveland guardians. You yeah. Gabriel Arias. He, he's somebody that I just saw for a little bit. He made his big league debut as the, uh, what the 29th man for a double header. Yeah. Um, so he, he missed the three games that I called, but the games that I was at, um, just like as a fan slash evaluator, um, I saw Arias play 
What do you think of Arias just in terms of overall ball player? And then I'll get into what I saw. I, I think he's well-rounded. Um, the only question really for, for me with Arias is, is the hit tool. Uh, but I, I think he's as well-rounded as, as you're going to find in terms of a shortstop in the back end of this or on the second half of this top 100. I, I love the raw power. I love the glove. I like the athleticism. I think he's a super exciting prospect that just it's, it's a, it's a question of, is he 250 or is he 275? And, and that's a big difference for a guy with his profile. Yeah. Um, if, if I had to pick one right now, I think it's 250. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you mentioned in the write-up palatable chase rates. Um, what I saw for just a couple of games is, is he was extending the zone on good pitches. Um, he puts easy, smooth swings on pitches that are in the zone and he can do damage on pitches that are in the zone. But when he expands the zone, um, he's out in front, he's lunging, he is reaching, he's, he's cutting his swing short. Um, I, I see a little bit too much swing change when pitches are, you know, like not in his wheelhouse and I'd prefer he just take them. No, that's a hundred percent where, where he's at. You know, it's, it's funny. Cause last year he was chasing at about 35% clip this year, chasing at a 45% clip. Yeah. So this year he has looked a little bit different, a little bit more aggressive. It could be a little bit of that pressing to, to get to the big league level. You know, you want to produce, you want to put up numbers, who knows, but I, I'm seeing the same this guy thing. Palacios get up and, and get a knock. Well, Palacios is the opposite. Like the guys just bat to ball too. And, and we've talked about, it. I love Palacios, but you know, it, it's funny. Cause I, I think Arias for, for him, it really is. It could be as simple. Jack is just swinging less, right? Like just don't pull the trigger at pitches that you can't do much with. Um, and it's easier said than done. He had to face Rowanzi Contreras pumping 98 and, you know, with nasty secondary stuff. But I think that Arias is going to be able to hit enough to where you're going to have a really well-rounded shortstop because the glove is can't miss. The glove is, is plus. Uh, and, and the speed and the raw power. That's the thing too. I don't think people realize he's put up one tens, one elevens. I, I believe he's put up a one thirteen exit velo. So, so this is above average to, to plus raw power. Uh, so he doesn't need to be a, a two eighty hitter. He could be two fifty and hit for power, play great defense. And I think you're pretty happy with Arias at that point. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, I like how smooth he is. I like the way that he, you know, it feels like you're at the ballpark on a, on a day game in July and like Arias is the one that just seems in control. Yeah. I, I think that's what I dig about him. The game's not going to speed up on him. I'm worried that the zone is going to enlarge on him. And that's, that's really my only concern. That's it. But that's something that, you know, can change. And, and a lot of the other intangibles and a lot of the other qualities, the tangibles too, uh, all look really good. I will note too, Jack, he has been fast-tracked through the minor leagues. He just turned 22. And so he had a full season in AAA under his belt as a 21-year-old where he hit 284, 348, 454 with 13 home runs. So I look at that and I'm like, build off of that. And that's where it's getting concerning is, you know, if he's not building off of that and it's it's still more of the same of just an aggressive approach and now pitchers have more of an idea of how to get this guy out, which is get it, letting him get himself out, then, then you know, the, the stock takes a hit a little bit. But to do what he did as a 21-year-old in AAA, I hope that he can continue to learn and develop because that's really just the last missing piece from him being a really good above-average regular at the position. Yeah, and his body can still transform. You know, he's 
21 years old, right? When we were 21, Just 22. 22. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we were 22, 23 years old, every piece of breaded chicken and every adult beverage that we had, our body was changing. So, yeah. you know, every, every, you know, three, three reps, 10 reps, three sets of, of bench press and deadlift, his body's changing. There you go. And, and he's, he's already got a lot of pop in there too. So speaking of a lot of pop, here's a guy that might make me just, just eat every word I've ever said. Uh, and he's off to a phenomenal start. Good for him. Nolan Gorman. He has been a phenomenal for the St. Louis Cardinals AAA affiliate so far this season. He's up there on the leaderboards. We talk about home runs. He's got eight of them, uh, but he's also swinging and missing uh, a little bit. Uh, but you know what? Gorman is a guy that has made a lot of effort to continue to improve his ability to hit. We know the power is, is high, high end, and it's a sweet left-handed stroke. The, the Cardinals have been extremely aggressive with him. Uh, fast tracking him through the minor leagues. He played between double A AA and triple A. He's just 21 years old. And last year, 279, 333, 481 slash line, 25 homers, 46 extra base hits, 115 WRC plus, 22% K rate, 7% walk rate. Uh, Jack, he's been great this year. Um, do you see, do you, would you guys see him theoretically? Yeah, yeah. Ah, we'll see nice. Memphis. Um, nice. I think every bomb that Gorman hits, he's flipping you the double bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I've been I've been one of the biggest Gorman, uh, you know, I would just say did I don't want to say hater or detractors. I've always said like he's good. I but I don't believe he's he's as valuable or like as high end as is a lot of people make him out to be. Uh, I think there's a lot of concerns. And you know what? Dude, he's he's raking, but he's still striking out 32% of the time. Um, and yeah, that is a concern. But if he's getting this kind of quality of contact. Who really cares? Yeah, I'm I'm still in the camp where if you can go get a top-level starting pitcher, a la Frankie Montas, you should depart with Nolan Gorman for Frankie Montas. Um, I like it. I think that he gets to good pitches, which is interesting. Um, now, if your good pitch is a high fastball, he's not going to get to it still. Um, but if your good pitch is a properly located slider or breaking ball, he can adjust and put a really good swing on it. You know, that's that's who Nolan Gorman is. I think he's going to be a belt and below hunter. But I think if he needs to extend to the letters, he might get screwed. Well, that's my concern, too. Right. So, I mean, Nolan Gorman, his swing looks a lot better. Again, like a, a really hard worker that it, the reports were that he was grinding through the offseason, you know, just trying to with, with the Cardinals, just trying to to iron some out, iron out his deficiencies because Left on left was a disaster for him last year. And you know what, Jack, he's been good left on left this year. Uh, 253, 57, 500 slash line left on left. Uh, last year, it was, I think, a 589 OPS against lefties, 917 OPS against righties. My big red flag between the splits and the VLO, as you mentioned, the VLO is my concern. He got blown up by fastballs last year, like absolutely blown up. Low 100s hitter with no power, basically, against fastballs 93, 94 miles an hour and above. So far this year, Jack, he is hitting 130 against fastballs. Six of his eight home runs have come against breaking balls and off speed. He has a 1,500 OPS against everything that's not a fastball and a 651 OPS against fastballs. Uh, You think big league pitchers will figure that out? Yeah, yes, <laughs> absolutely. I think that the the data and analytics intern is going to go hand Corbin Burns a sheet and says, here's what to do. 
and it'll say, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, good morning. It, good it, afternoon. Good night. But here's the good news. 21 years old, still going to turn 22 soon, but still, still 21 years old. Oh, by the way, his first seven home runs were all solo shots. I just thought that was weird. Uh, but that is weird. That's, that's just weird baseball quirk. Weird yeah. baseball quirk, which I just think is super funny. I love weird baseball quirks, but uh, also just kind of shows you <laughs> when he, a guy like him can put you on the board by himself, no problem. Uh, but the fastball plus the lefty concerns, we'll see. But still not 22 years old yet. Starting to look really good at second base, given that he's, you know, the Cardinals are giving him some run there for obvious reasons. I got that dude named Nolan Arenado at third. Uh, So Gorman looks good at second. The arm is phenomenal there. He turns double plays with ease. The range is better than people thought. Uh, But again, you know, is he going to get carved up by a good game plan? Right now, the answer is yes, but continues to improve one aspect of his game after another mostly at the box, but I'm like, you know, now he can hit lefties. Now he can do this. Now he's hitting breaking balls better. Can he catch up to Velo? That's the big final question. And uh, I guess we're going to find out this year because I can promise you pitchers are going to start catering towards some of those weaknesses very, very soon. Uh, Coming in at 63, catcher. I think we might be a little bit lower compared to the industry at this point with this guy. Diego Cartaya, catching prospect, LA Dodgers. Crazy upside. Ridiculous power numbers in 31 games in low A before he was hurt. Another catcher who earns high marks for the way he commands a game behind the dish. One of the prized international free agents, $2.5 million in 2018 by the Dodgers. Uh, there's a lot to like here by Cartaya, but another guy that I think has some voids in his approach that I, I think could get exposed as he climbs through the minor leagues, but also so many really exciting qualities. I just haven't seen anything like he's, he's a young guy who only has what 30 games of low A experience under his belt. Like yeah. I, I haven't seen enough Diego Cartaya to form a sound opinion. Um, and I know when, when you see that better safe than sorry, right? Like you don't want to call Jason Dominguez revolutionary when he hasn't played out of the complex for more than 20 games. And you were pretty spot on there because once he got out of the complex, he was pretty unsuccessful. Um, that's kind of the case with Cartaya, but Cartaya sees immediate success when he gets out of the complex. Um, I, I think this is one of those guys where, you know, just to like try and peek into your brain, he's 63 on this one, but on the midseason list, he might be higher. And on the preseason list next year, he might be higher than that. Like he's one of those guys that can keep on climbing as he reaches the upper levels of minor league baseball. A hundred percent. He's just a raw hitter at this point, uh, extremely pull happy, crushes fastballs, but really bad against sliders last year, uh, has struggled against sliders again this year. And you can imagine if you're a righty who pulls off of a lot of stuff, who's looking to cheat and catch things out in front of the plate and you get a slider breaking away from you, you're going to struggle with those. And, and that has just been a big issue for Cartaya. Uh, but it doesn't matter because he, he pulverizes the heaters. And again, 10, 10 home runs and 31 games in low A is phenomenal. Uh, the tools are there. The upside is, is undeniable. He's already putting up very solid exit velos. And again, the, the glove is very, very exciting. He, he projects as an above average defender. And I think w- w- a big reason why we see Diego Cartaya so high, and, and I could probably say this with a fair degree of confidence is, you know, a lot of these top prospect lists are predicated on, you know, what, what teams are, what evaluators and, you know, writers are hearing from teams and yes. Diego Cartaya is so beloved within the LA Dodgers organization because of the way he carries himself. And if you hear someone in your ear saying, 
oh, this 19-year-old kid is way ahead of his years. And we gave him $2.5 million because he's really good behind the dish and way ahead of his years and our pitchers love working with him. Oh, and by the way, look at this batting practice he's taking right now. He's got crazy power. Like you're going you're gonna to talk yourself into that. When the Dodgers tell you they love somebody, you know, you're going to talk yourself into that. I, I talked myself into it at 63. Um, but to me, like you said, I think you, you said it beautifully. Just not enough yet to have him ahead of the guys that we have ahead of him. Doesn't mean that he doesn't have the upside to be one of the best catching prospects in the game at some point soon. Here's the thing. Low A guys are never a top five prospect. They are never a top five prospect because, you know, you are, you can be risk averse until, you know, like you get to 10 and five where guys can actually form sound opinions on you. Um, so I, I think that this is the type of guy that is 63 now is going to climb, um, if he continues to see the success, but, um, you know, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's a top 50 guy right now, just because you haven't seen anything from him. Um, yeah, but again, a guy who the, the, the helium, it could be one of the quickest or biggest risers from, you know, the preseason to midseason. Uh, but but one last thing I'll say on him is we were talking about him on Cardboard Consultants, which is our, our baseball card uh, kind of just investment episode or where we're just talking about the hobby. And you can catch that on our YouTube, uh, which we're doing about every week. And people are paying a lot of money for his cards, Jack. And, and to me, I'm like, OK, I can see why you're doing it, yeah, but, but I, I wouldn't do it. You know, so, so people were asking, like, would you rather invest in Brian Rocchio, who comes in at 62 or Diego Cartaya? Yeah. Look, you could make a lot more money off of Diego Cartaya. But I'm going to take Rokio every day of the week because this guy's a big leaguer for sure. Cartaya could easily never make it to the show. And that's what we have to try to emphasize here. Proximity is vital. And Rokio is way closer and has already shown way more. And that's why the Cleveland Guardian shortstop prospect checks in at 62. Yes. Rokio, you haven't listed at 5'10", 170. Again, this is a guy that has grown since he was signed as a 16-year-old. This is... This is what I can't stand about minor league measurements. They don't change them. The, and you can, and I can't guess, bro. Like I'm not, I'm not, I can't put no. an estimate in there. So it's like, I'm just screwed. I'm going to ask right. you to start when you, when they come to town, I'm going to ask you to put a scale under them and say, Hey, do you mind stepping on this scale for just baseball? hundred percent. I should grab like the roster printouts and see if those are actually the same there or not. Um, but yeah, so Rokio is he, still listed everywhere. Like anywhere you look for Rokio and you see height and weight, it's 5'10", 170. And it's like, what are we doing here? Like Rokio is not 5'10", 170. He's probably six foot, 200-ish. Um, he's filled out very nicely. What I love about Rokio um, you know, a lot of people rave about his baseball IQ. A lot of people rave about, um, you know, his innate feel for the game. What I love is there are so many aspects of his game that take you by surprise. He looks like that, you know, a little bit more wiry, thin guy that, um, you know, might be able to pack a punch. But when he's standing next to Valera, you choose Valera and kickball every day. You know, if you're <laughs> if you're drafting for just pure physique, Um but Rokio all of a sudden unloads as a switch hitter and hits about 400 to the full to the pull side. Like that's who Rokio is. The stuff comes out of nowhere with him and he will make this highlight reel barehanded play out of nowhere. He, his baseline is very high and he extends off the baseline very well. A hundred percent. And I think you, you really hit the nail on the head uh, with him. He's kind of similar to Arias where it's, it's just, Swing a little bit less, and I think you're in really good shape. 
uh, because he has a way better hit tool. And, and so it, it's an easier transition for him, but he's another guy that's just swinging too much. It's just, sometimes it's swinging at pitches that he, he can't do as much with uh, from the left side. There's those surprising home runs. Like you'll see, whoa, he just crushed that from yes. the right side. It's, it's elite contact. And I like that. You know, I, I like that with switch hitters because it's, if, if you're not going to be this impact power bat from the right side, at least you're not struggling left on left and you're just putting bat on ball. I'm here for that. Uh, he draws the Frankie Lindor comparisons because of the way he can backspin baseballs. He, he's never going to hit the ball as hard as Frankie Lindor. And he's not quite the athlete that Lindor is, but Rokio has that, that ability to just, he's just a ball player, I think would be the best way to describe it. And that's another guy that we're talking about organizationally. The guardians love this guy. And they're going to tell every evaluator, they're going to tell every single person who asks them ahead of their top 100 list that Rokio is too low. That's what they'll do every single time. Dude, hell, I was, I was like a Padres guy. I was in Fort Wayne and I was hearing from Lake County whenever they came to town. Oh, we love Rokio. I'm like, why are you telling me? They want it's, to tell it's, everybody. It's a staff memo. I think, I, th- I, I think, think so. it comes from the top. Like you have to, you have to gush about Rokio, but I think because of the way he, he plays the game, you saw it firsthand. It, it, it's it's easy to buy in. It's super easy to buy in. At the plate, I'm going to give you a comp that isn't Lindor. Brian Reynolds. Reynolds has more power from one side than the other, but he is a good contact guy from the left side and a great contact guy from the right side. I don't yeah. know if the numbers speak to that right now. I know Reynolds has had a slow start to the year, but when he turned it on last year, Reynolds was an elite bat-to-ball guy from the right side, and from the left side, he was really good bat to ball with some pop there. Um, I think that's what Rokio is. And if, if he can do that with a very high defensive IQ and his ability to play second, third, or short, they might have a future star on their hands. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And I mean, the, the numbers last year were good between high A and double A 277, 346, 460, 15 homers, 46 extra base hits continues to find that better or that more natural ability to lift and find carry. And again, if he, if he just tones down the approach a little bit, that walk rate jumps up from 6.7% to, to 9%. Now you're looking at a guy that's a 360 on base guy with all of the intangibles and the other aspects to his game that we just talked about. That is a very, very good fringe all-star type of shortstop. And, and just keying you in on Reynolds splits. As a left-handed hitter against righties, Brian Reynolds last year hit 20 of his 24 homers, but hit 293. From the left side or from the right side against left-handed pitchers, he only had four of his 24 homers, but he hit 325. So the batting average ticked up a lot, but the power was on the left side. That's what Rokio is. Again, not as successful right away, but Rokio, best case scenario, his bat looks a lot like Brian Reynolds. Yeah, I, I actually think that's a good comp. And uh, it's kind of a similar development I track. Like too. I don't have good comps. Uh, <laughs> Reynolds, Reynolds kind of developed into that power too a little bit more. And it was never going to be an integral part of his game, but continued to just see that tick up from 10 to 15 to now 20 to maybe 25 you're hoping for uh, if he has an, a good season. Coming in at 61, this is one of my favorite guys. We haven't seen a ton of him, but he's going to be a fast riser. And I think he's going to be one of the best pitching prospects in the game very soon. Mick Abel, Philadelphia Phillies, right-handed pitching prospect, 15th overall pick in 2020. 20 years old. He is your pitcher's prototype. I love everything about Mick Abel. He's 6'5, 190, maybe 200 pounds. 
electric fastball, smooth mechanics, wipeout slider, and developing changeup. He's carving up minor league hitters right now. It's a joke. And uh, the, the, the fastball is just stupid. He's sitting 95 to 97. He's touched 99 uh, and just a ton of life, high spin fastball, and the slider, sliders wipe out. I'm a huge Mick Abel fan, and I'm expecting him in the update to be top 40. Yeah, uh, I would love that. Um, it, it's like, I think if I could be a pitching coach and just start a pitcher from scratch, I would just show them Mick Abel videos and be like, okay, now do that. Like, go out there and do that because he's, he's a big guy. He's six, five, around 200 pounds. Um, he looks like a top flight pitcher and his delivery is mechanically sound and, and perfectly loose at the same time. He looks loose and athletic, but he also doesn't look like he's got, you know, his arms and legs flying everywhere. It is all directed towards the plate, but he uses that length and that athleticism to get his body into perfect position to fire. I love watching Mick Abel throw. I think he's one of the more aesthetically pleasing guys to watch. Um, and the fastball slider, they get outs all the time. They get outs. The, you, you hit exactly what I wanted to hit on. I'm just watching him throw and it's just, it's, it's slow rhythmic wind up. And then like that arm path is so clean, so smooth. And then boom, the fastball is on you. And, and it's, it, yeah, it's, like, it's not, you hear effortless, like that's effortless. Right. And it's not, you know, grunt and fire in a zoomer, right. In 99 is so low effort for him. And, you know, you get a little bit of that whipping motion. You see it with his arms right now. I know you're watching video and if you guys aren't driving right now, I recommend pulling up YouTube and just searching Mick Abel. Um, look at the way that his glove arm and his throwing arm just move rhythmically through his delivery. You don't have to be this pitching mechanics guru to appreciate what Mick Abel's arms are doing in his delivery because his legs are working downhill. He's firing forward with his ass towards the plate and he's letting his arms be his arms and they are moving so loosely and so beautifully. And then they just get right on you. And when he finishes, it's like, he's just standing there. There's yeah. no fall off. There's no, it's just so simple. And Look, it's it's the results are there so far. Uh, the command he wasn't like this last year. He showed flashes of it, but at times it was like, yeah, you know, the arm was lagging or the body was a little bit ahead, or he'd fly open slightly because he's a six foot five, 19 year old at the time. Uh, he walked about almost five and a half batters per nine last year. He has only walked two batters in his first eleven innings thus far, eighteen Ks. It's it's not a coincidence. I know it's a small sample size, but with pitchers if you have command issues, they're going to make themselves known in, in your first three starts and they haven't. Uh, and he looks really good. He's locating the fastball. Well, and the slider is just, just disgusting. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Mick Abel. And, and if that changeup can continue to develop, he, he's, he's got a great three pitch arsenal. And I think he's going to climb through the minors quickly because right now he's locating that fastball East West and he's going to dominate lower level hitters with that fastball alone. I think they're going to want to challenge him more uh, with, with the breaking stuff and, you know, have to mix it up a little bit more at that next level. Early look at the midseason update. If you think that Mick Abel's top 40, um, let's walk through the grades right now. You've got the, the fastball is a 60 present 70 future. You think that stays put there? Yeah. Um, slider is 60, 60. Yeah. Stays put, stays put at plus. It's a nice plus pitch. Who knows? Honestly, like, I, I ruled out, I probably could have put 70 future on that. I just, I don't know if I saw that kind of devastation from his slider, but it's comfortably plus. Yeah. So I'm cool with 60, 60 change up 45, 55. 
I think you can get that thing to 55. Yeah, I think so too. So imagine you have a plus plus fastball, a plus slider, and above average changeup, and in good command. Yeah, the That's command the- you have is 40-50 right now. With with the command that he's showing right now, if he continues that for his next couple of starts. That's got to tick up to like 45, 50. I'll be honest. Right? So we, we wrote that up, you know, before the season started seeing the mechanics I'm seeing now, I, I think, I think the adjustment to the future value of his command could t- tick up to like 55. Yeah. I hear you. Which at that point you're like, that's a really well-rounded pitching prospect. 100%. So we are at 60 now. So we save that for next time, right? Yes, we save 60 for next time. That's Michael Harris. Yeah. Um, And we do 60 to 51. I love me some Michael Harris. So I'm excited to talk Michael Harris. I'm excited to talk Taj Bradley because we'll actually have a little bit of a firsthand account. Talk to some of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos guys after facing Taj Bradley. uh, So they can talk a little bit about how that fastball plays. Uh, And we'll be coming at you with more of that uh, very soon. Jack, any final thoughts on the guys we talked about today? Anyone you're most excited about or think can make the biggest leap this year? Uh, Mick Abel. Um, I, I'm so excited about Mick Abel. I am very excited about what Emerson Hancock looks like when he's healthy. Yeah, I am. Um, because I think Hancock can be, you know, if the Mariners are running out in, in two years, three years of five of Ray Gilbert, who looks insane right now, brash, who's gonna like throw a no hitter very soon. I think, Kirby and Hancock. Oh my God. It's just stupid. And they'll have a bunch of other pitching prospects that they can now trade. <laughs> it's just, it's just insane. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited as well uh, to, to see those exact guys. And then I'm really excited to see how Rokio continues to develop at the double a level and see who ends up capturing that everyday shortstop job of the future. Cause the guardians have a litany, a litany of middle infielders uh, and they got to sort out Who's going to be their future there, or someone's got to sort it out for them. Uh, we will continue to sort through this top 100 uh, in the subsequent episodes, continuing to hammer through 10 at a time. Be sure to subscribe to the call up so that you know when we put out the episodes, as well as the prospect interviews and everything in between. If you could leave a rating as well uh, to help us grow the show, I'd really appreciate it. And let us know how we're doing. That's all for me, Jack. Uh, anything to look forward to on the AAA Pittsburgh side uh, for people to tune in and check out? I don't think so. O'Neill Cruz, uh, again, 112 mile an hour walk-off bomb. I think it went 430 out to right field. So he is in action in Des Moines, Iowa tonight, taking on Brennan Davis and the I-Cubs. Mm. Um, I don't know who's on the mound. I saw Alec Mills is on the roster right now. Ooh. So hopefully I get a look at Alec Mills, former no-hitter thrower Alec yeah, Mills. The immortalized Alec Mills with his ball in the Hall of Fame. But we'll see Correct. if uh, O'Neill Cruz can can send that ball like way out of there. I, I'm excited to see that at bats. I want to see that that matchup and I'll be tuning in uh, on MILB TV. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.